Today's podcast is sponsored by Gamerborn Clothing. Visit gamerborn.co.uk to browse through a collection of gamer-inspired clothing for gamers of all ages, even toddlers and infants. Use promo code VGXTPOD for a 5% discount off your order. Gamerborn Clothing, because we're all born to be gamers. Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels. A casual conversation. Alright, hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 007, the bi-weekly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony DeRossi, and with me this week is Megan Rodriguez. Megan, what's going on? Hi, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Alright, so, funny story, I need to discuss this because it really is hilarious. In my previous episodes, I have been working either with people who are local to the capital region of New York or also on the East Coast here in the U.S. And when I was scheduling this podcast recording with Megan, I completely dropped the ball and forgot that we are in completely different time zones here. So as I'm sitting at my computer at about 7 o'clock here East Coast time, I shoot Megan an email saying, hey, here's the uh, invite session to the recording. Uh, for this, so let me know when you get on. And she responds back something to the effect of, uh, we're not in the same time zone, are we? Because basically, what you were pulling into your driveway at that time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh, seven o'clock my time, I can get some stuff done. And then I, I don't know, I was picking up pizza and I was probably not right. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden everything just dawned on me like, wait, I I missed something tonight. Yeah, I did. Completely forgot about the time zone. So, oops. My bad. My bad. <laughs> all right, but we got it all situated. We're here. Uh we're recording. We're live. That's awesome. So, we're going to move on with this podcast. So, first off, uh Megan has joined me and you do some work with the Late Night Gamers. Is that correct? Yes, I do. All right, so what's going on with that? Well, Late Night Gamers started in, like, 2013. They were just doing a kind of a podcasting for fun, and they've gotten kind of a good ball rolling over the past couple of years. I started doing some random review articles for them back in 2014 and have been uh, writing for them since then. A little nice. sporadically because of school and stuff and finishing school, but I do what I can. And I recently started doing right. uh, YouTube videos for them, too. Oh, nice. So yeah. you've moved on just from the blogging. Are you still doing the blogging and reviews for Late Night Gamers? Yeah, if I can. If you can. Well, yeah, I mean, work and life and school and everything kind of takes up. So uh, what types of games have you been doing the reviews on? A lot of horror games. I'm a really big hor uh, survival horror buff. So. All right. That's actually a gaming genre that I don't typically dip into. So what... Uh, what kind of game, or which of the survival horror games have you dipped into? The Late Night Gamers. I am working on finishing uh, Layers of Fear. I did uh, Silent Hill 2. I can't remember what else I did. Because <laughs> I get them, I don't know, I forget a lot of things. But uh, just in general, I like playing uh, Fatal Frame. Resident, right. I like some of the Resident Evil games. And uh, 
God, Resident they, Evil. That game is still, that franchise is still going, isn't it? Yeah, they have their uh, Resident Evil 7 demo on the PlayStation 4. I haven't had a chance to play uh, the updated material that they put on, but I played like their uh, beta, which was pretty freaking terrifying. So, it, it was good. so, all right, cool. So I've heard that the Resident Evil series has gone more of like an actiony approach, or at least that was what the response was when uh, six came out. Uh, is seven uh, continuing that tradition, or is it dipping back into the uh, more the horror survival type? Tip? Well, with their demos, it's supposed to be like a, a taste of what they are going to do. So it's still kind of in question what they are going to do. But when you play it, it's uh, anybody who's played a PT, the PT okay. demo when Silent Hills was being announced, it's kind of like that. It's really dark, really, I don't know, just the environment gives you scares. I just, it was just scary. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, so it succeeds in being the scary. Yeah, because one of the big complaints was about si- or Resident Evil 4 is when a lot of the action stuff happened more than the like, oh my god, is Nemesis around the corner? Oh my god, or there's zombies in the like, it, it kind of just went you, that direction. Right. Can you hold on one second? My dog's going crazy. Yep. <laughs> hey! <laughs> ah, yes, the joys of living with the doggos. Um, we have two dogs. Every once in a while, they'll come up and join me as I'm podcasting. And usually they just kind of like come up, trying to lick my arm or something while I'm sitting in my chair, and then kind of pass it on the bed. But Sophie, our Weimaraner, and if you know anything about dog breeds, you know the Weimaraners, they love to alarm bark. And Sophie, our blessed guard dog, uh, she will let me know anytime there's a leaf floating down the street. So apparently something dire happened. (laughs) And thank you, Doggo, for saving the family one more time. (laughs) But shut up. (laughs) No, we seriously love our dogs. Love our dogs. All right, so yeah, late night gamers. They've uh, I've been listening to them for quite a while. They uh, put on a good show. You've been on a few of their episodes, haven't you? Yes, I have. I guess when I can. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's just kind of like I don't know, <laughs> sitting down and being able to <laughs> share gaming experiences and talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a really yeah, it's good a lot way. of fun. It- yeah. It's fun to find people, even if it's uh, over the internet, that share in the same passions and hobbies as you do. Um, a few days ago, there was something on floating around Twitter because everything floats around Twitter, and it was how Twitter has changed my life. And really, since I got into using Twitter, and I did the blogging thing uh, for a few years, and I used my Twitter mainly to promote that and the gaming and science type things, and it's been fantastic in a way that I'm able to communicate and share ideas and just chat with people that have the common interest completely regardless of geographic location. Oh yeah. Like- uh, as with this podcast right now, actually, because I completely <laughs> forgot that you, Hey, not everyone lives on the East coast. Imagine that. It's, it's a true story. <laughs> it's yeah, it really is. We have people all over the place. All right, cool. So, um, Awesome, working with another gaming community. Uh, and yeah. currently, you are finishing up your internship in mental health, or mental health counseling. What is the proper term? So, I am a graduate student, and I am getting my master's in clinical mental health counseling, and I'm currently working on my specialization with uh, substance abuse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 
So the internship that I'm working at is based in Denver, and I'm working in a co-occurring treatment facility. So I work with a lot of individuals who are not only coming off of drugs and have substance use issues, they Mm -hmm. have pretty severe mental health issues. Oh, that's got to be tough. It's fun. I mean, it's not like it might sound demented saying it that way, but like it is an experience. I wouldn't trade it. Really? Oh, yeah. You're really enjoying it. Okay. So what about this are you enjoying? What? I don't know if I would really say that it's fun work, but um, what about it do you enjoy, or is it, like, rewarding work that you're finding? Yeah, I've been passionate about mental health for a really, really, really long time, and choosing counseling, it gives me the opportunity to, to help those who are looking to help themselves. And with substance abuse, I think that's so much more significantly important just because with the society, like, stigma around those who are addicts, it's mm-hmm. difficult just because they have this label put on them and I'm there to kind of help them undo the label and find themselves. Okay. So you're in the middle of an internship right now, About how much more time do you have in your internship? About four or five months. Okay. So I should be graduated in about February, March. Okay. And how long, uh, how long have you been? So reverse that a little bit. <laughs> so what is the total length of this internship? So how long have you been uh, working at this particular facility? Uh, since June. Okay, that's a good long internship. Yeah, it's it's shorter than most. It's about it's about pregnancy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but I just I don't know. I'm doing something that I really am passionate about, and it's just amazing. Okay, cool. Okay, so in this facility, um, you mentioned substance abuse. Is there? Any type of particular addiction that you see is more common or that comes into your particular facility more than the others? Or or is this something that we should probably like veer away from just due to the sensitive nature and privacy? I think it's, I don't know, I, I think it's different from area to area. When, like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to kind of generalize it, but... Three- yeah, because as I was asking this question, I just realized, like, I'm asking some pretty what could be potentially some sensitive information. So you can answer or decline to answer uh, at your will for that. I'm going to generalize it to how I've experienced it in the Denver metro area because I don't live down there. So a lot of this stuff is, like, just eye-opening. But the three okay. ones that I've come uh, to know is really popular just from, like, my site supervisor informing me is heroin, methamphetamines, and alcohol. Okay. So in treating these things, um, I assume that there's a different approach to those three? There can be, but a lot of the things with substance abuse is like it's based off of really similar um, factors. Because when you look at the DSM-5 or the DSM-4 and any of the diagnostic criteria, a lot of them are the same. So when okay. it comes to the mental well, health wait, aspect, one, one moment, DSM? Oh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual uh, for... Okay. Diagnosing. <laughs> All right. No, that no, that's fine. It's just you know, I have no problem uh, talking shop. That's actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Um, I'd rather not just gloss over a lot of the science that we see in uh, news articles. I want to actually dig into these things. But if I hear a uh, a vocab word <laughs> or some type of jargon, um, you know, I have to stop to explain that real quick. Sorry. So the so DSM. What is that again? It's the Diagnostic and statistical manual of like just diagnoses. It's, so it has depression and schizophrenia and like all of those in it. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm making notes for my own benefit. I had no idea that these things existed. All right. So oh, you're fine. I like 
should have stopped and explained more because I'm so used to speaking in this language that it just <laughs> right. Well, exactly. It's it's talking shop. Right. All right. Cool. So, or yeah, it's cool as it can possibly be. All right. So for the DSMs, so how does how do the DSMs uh, vary between these three? The meth, the heroin, and the alcohol. Not a lot. I mean, each of them are different when you get down to their chemical structure, but that hits more of like the science and like physical health stuff, which is not my specialization. And uh, with mental health diagnostics, it's incredibly similar because basically to meet having an addiction, you have to be actively searching for the substance and that's what consumes your day. You experience withdrawal, you build up a tolerance, you use more, you shirk your responsibilities to everything and everyone. It's Right. That, that sounds like a lot of the common, I don't know if I want to call them symptoms, or characteristics of substance abuse. So, like, my limited knowledge of this is, or the the telltale signs of addiction, is when you start to place your addiction or your need to um, for that specific stimulus over that of your day-to-day responsibilities, over that of your family and familial needs. Uh, is that a accurate statement? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's that's got to be tough. I've seen or heard of friends mentioning how certain types of addiction or even borderline addiction, you can, you can kind of see it coming, but I don't know if people readily recognize it as addiction rather than, oh, that guy's just a drunk or he's just a insert drug of choice junkie type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of painful to see. It's like, no guys, he's, this person's, they're displaying some classic signs of addiction. I mean, yeah, we're at like the early stages of it, but, um, have you personally seen, um, any pe- well, I was sure you have working in the facility, but you know what I'm talking about? As far as like, you can start to see the beginning stages of some of these, uh, characteristics. Uh, like you can tell somebody's using, of course. Of co- Oh, wow. Okay. That's a definite answer. It's- you said that with a little bit of confidence right there. Well, it's such a drastic difference when you take somebody who's sober and then they're under the influence, like somebody who is like, take your typical drunk person. I mean, I don't want to say it like that, but they slur, they stumble, they can't speak. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, I have had my college days of going out and partying and going to the bars. All right. Totally familiar with that. Uh, But yes, you can definitely, if you are sober... Stone Cold Sober, and you can definitely pull, you know, pick out of the crowd people who have had a few too many uh, versus those who are still in control of their senses. Yeah, and it's just like when you look at somebody who's under the influence between each drug, it's it's different. Take a, a methamphetamines, for example. I don't think I've ever met anybody who talks and moves and jumps from subject to subject quite as fast as somebody who has a meth addiction. It is really amazing to watch. Now, okay, it's, so by the pure observational um, discussion for this, the total objectivity, that actually fascinates me because I had no idea. So could you explain that a little bit more? So people who are either under the influence or have a methamphetamine addiction, they they jump around from topic to topic in discussion? Because they can't hold, they can't hold, like, 
strings of strings of thought, and it's just because they're doing okay. their brain is such overload that they're just like going, 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 going. Oh, all right. And then you can have somebody who is on heroin, and they like what heroin is. It's a opiate derivative. It's actually one of the strongest opiate derivatives. Mm-hmm. Um, heroin was actually originally manufactured by the Bayer uh, Pharmaceutical Company, and uh, just to help help with pain management and stuff. So it's more addictive than morphine. And right. But somebody's high. They're they're. You can see them. They're there, but they're like watching somebody fall asleep. Okay, so they're, so they're not out of it. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately for me. I have very little experience when it comes to any type of uh, illicit drug usage experience. Um, so a lot of this uh, would be news to me. I would I would not be able to pick out a user out of a crowd. Uh, that's, I might be able to pick out someone acting a little weird or funny, but then I'd probably just chalk it up to, oh, that person's acting a little strange and then move on with my day. But would you be able to be walking down the street in whatever metro area you would happen to be in at the time? And would you be able to like pick someone out like, well, that person over there in the corner or that person across the street type of thing, uh, might be a user? It's really sad to say, but I am pretty confident in my ability to do that. Yeah, um, and I totally understand that. It's like it's not necessarily a bragging point. It's just that you've been exposed to this, and you're studying. You're studying for for the purpose of helping these people. You are put yourself into this situation, but yeah, you you would be able to pick someone out of a crowd. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but Denver has such a massive homeless population, too. It's just you cannot go anywhere without it's amazing Mm, that's unfortunate but i would suppose would you find that typical in uh, major metropolitan areas i feel like again from my limited experience i feel that that might be actually somewhat common when you get into larger metropolitan areas oh homelessness Um, yes so no and here's why i'm gonna say no just because colorado has something you has had something unique for a little bit longer than most other states, and that is the legalization of marijuana. Okay. When talking with, like, my site supervisor and some of the people that I work with at my internship, a lot of this is a contributing factor to the increased just population and homeless population because now we are a place for the homeless. Mm. Easily accessible marijuana. Like, uh, I can drive down Colfax, and it's only, a, like, maybe three miles until I hit where I need to turn, and I will pass at least eight dispensaries on that drive. Oh, wow. Colorado's got a lot of pot. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> and that's a whole other discussion. Because oh, yeah. uh, obviously here in New York, <laughs> I laughed a little bit. Uh, we actually legalized the or approved the test of one of the oils or components within marijuana that... Oh, the THC oil? I think so. Maybe that's it. Yeah, so it was approved in pill form. So something, one of the things in uh, in marijuana that's supposed to have some the medical benefits, and um, I kind of chuckled a little bit about this because th- when the news broke, people were like, hooray, marijuana's legal in New York. Wait, it's in pill form, and it doesn't get you high, mm-hmm. and it's going to be regulated by the government and taxed. Oh, this wasn't the victory we were looking for. <laughs> So I was like, sorry, stoners. 
I mean, you know, do whatever you want. That, that's not, you know, my place to, to judge. But, you know, just be honest with me. If you, if you want to get high, just say it. Just say it. If that's what you're looking to do. You know, don't convince me that it is the magical cure all, you know, panacea. Uh, that some people try to make it out to be. I mean, it's, it isn't. Stop trying to tell me all these great benefits and it'll solve the world's problems if we legalize it across, across the globe. It, it calm down. If you want to get high, just tell me, you know, I, whatever, but that's, again, that's a whole other oh, yeah. conversation. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. All right. So anything else you'd like to comment? Any, uh, any, Anything else in regarding to mental health? Any uh, issues you'd like to bring to light um, being on a podcast? One of the things I want to say about mental health is that, and it's just a big general thing. I mean, I follow a lot of people who uh, advocate for mental health awareness on Twitter and on Facebook. And then I know just a lot of people. I mean, I'm in the business now, but Mm -hmm. it's just it's nothing to be ashamed of. If you need help, feel you need help, get the help. I mean, that's why people like me go into this. I myself have mental health issues. Like I have suffered from depression and anxiety since I was 12. So I like have my compassion for everyone. Like get help. It is nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, this can spot off into a whole nother conversation, but I mean, the world is messed up. Uh, We've got issues going on. There's a lot of stuff to give people anxiety and stress, and the world is only moving at a faster pace, is waiting for nobody. So there's a lot of pressure to do all these things in a very short amount of time in a world that moves very quickly. And if you happen to stumble at all, life, the big nebulous thing that is life that is bearing down on us at all times can get overpowering and overwhelming very quickly. So Mm -hmm. if you need help, get it. You know, there are people like yourself who are here specifically to help people through these times. So, um, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. All right, so moving on into some tech and science news, I've got a few things here. Uh, the Nobel Prizes have been awarded recently, and one of them in particular that's a little bit of a uh, interest to myself is the Chemistry Nobel Prize goes to a team of scientists who have been doing work in basically beyond micromachines, I guess getting into the nanotech world. If you give me a second, bring up this article. So this story, again, comes from Scientific American, and it is Chemistry Nobel Prize, Machines Too Small to See. So, Megan, have you had much experience reading up on or talking about or hearing about the uh, the nanotech or molecular machines? I stay as far away from robots as I can. I They freak me out. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, the Matrix scared the <laughs> out of me when I was a kid, part of my language, and just, mm. like, I can't. Robots are scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Well, these are not the scary. Well, they could be the excessively scary type. Uh, so just a quick little bit about nanotech. Uh, these are actually molecules. So these are atoms working in conjunction with each other through molecular bonds. And they are designed to work as exceptionally tiny, 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 literally micro or molecular 
simple machines. So depending on what other forces or stimulus or uh, stuff that you exert onto these little molecules, they will behave in different ways. So they're literally creating tiny little levers, tiny little robotic thingies, uh, strictly with atoms and molecules. So unfortunately, there's not many pictures <laughs> that we can uh, share, being, being that they're so tiny. But interesting stuff, uh, awesome stuff going on in the world in uh as far as the Nobel Prizes are concerned. And if you want to read up on any of the additional Nobel Prizes, there is a link in the show notes that lists all of the Nobel Prizes that were awarded this year. We got the one in literature and the Almighty Nobel Peace Prize. The Nobel Peace Prize this year was awarded to Juan Manuel Santos for his resolute efforts to bring the country's more than 50-year-long civil war to an end. Wow, that... That is worthy of bringing any type of civil war to an end, but one that's been going on for 50 years. That's quite an accomplishment and definitely worth noting. All right, moving on, uh, a little bit more of the techie talk. I have a article from Forbes. Uh, Google recently announced a whole new line of products and little gadgetry and updates for us, as Google continuously does. This one in particular um, is one of those things where... It seems very simple on the surface, but the impact for this has, hold on, sorry, as I was bringing up the the article, some autoplay ad just started like raging in my ears as I was bringing this up, but um, anyway, as I was saying, this little this little bit, and it basically has to do with their search engine. Of course, it has to do with their search engine. But as far as describing what type of picture you're looking for, the accuracy of image capturing has gone up from 89% to 94% of looking for exactly what you're – or searching out an image for exactly what you're looking for. And although it's just a tiny little increase, it's not a huge numerical increase – some of the things in the presentation had particular impact or particular significance where one example is they're showing a train that's on the tracks. So, you know, you have this image and to the left of this image, it says a train is sitting on the tracks. Very simple statement. You have a few key words, key indicators. And you know, if you put that into a search strategy, you'll get all sorts of stuff. But the after description is a blue and yellow train traveling down train tracks and this does something a little bit more specific in that it's actually recognizing the colors of the train itself so the train in this example picture is in fact blue and yellow and it is in fact traveling down the tracks so oh megan have you had any issues perhaps looking for images for your blogging or any of your youtube action where you're trying to do some type of Google image search and you try to describe something in the best way that you can, but either Google or God forbid you use Bing just isn't giving you quite exactly what you're looking for. Bing is awful. Well, not really. I mean, reviewing this article, it sounds really cool, but have you ever seen Ex Machina? Yes, I have. Yeah, that scares me, and this mentions artificial <laughs> intelligence and search engines, and that's how the movie starts, and then you know. Yeah, yeah. actually, there's oh, there's so much in that movie. I really wasn't entirely sure what to expect from it, and truth be told, I thought it was just going to be a smaller type of indie film. When I saw 
I think it was, actually was on Twitter. It was one of the recommended or promoted ads that I saw. And I thought, oh, that would be a nice little, like, art house, art theater type of film. You know, maybe if it comes to one of the, uh, one of the theaters locally, we have a few theaters that will do more of the indie films or more of the art house type films. And I thought, oh, I'll just wait for it to come through to that one. And then a few weeks before its launch, I saw that was actually going to be playing in the major theaters here in town. So I thought, hey, hey, awesome. Uh, went into that and there were so many subtle things about that movie that were just, I mean, I loved it. But uh, if you're going to be, if you're one of the people who uh, that, that type of future scares, uh, <laughs> were you able to keep your eyes open for most of the movie? Because it got intense at times. Oh, it was a great movie. It was kind of okay. weird, like the, the, guy, the like, guy who built the androids, he reminds me of my brother-in-law. That's... Oh, does he? Well, that scene where they're dancing, like... <laughs> that was hysterical. Was that so was hysterical. That was a moment of comic relief that I totally did not see coming at all. Right. Yeah, so if you haven't seen the movie, absolutely go see it. Highly recommended by myself, definitely. Good one. Anything that has to do with AI and robots, though, I'm going to turn it to a negative. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Well, you know, <laughs> it takes all times. But, um, yeah, it... it Personally, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Uh, it dips yeah. into a lot of serious questions. And basically with the ethics, not just so much with AI or robots, but just big data as a whole and what it means to be human. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it was a good yes. one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this article in particular, you know, it's it seems, like I said, it's a small increase as far as, like, the percentage that they're giving you, but I think it's significant in that you're able to add additional adjectives and descriptors into searches, and it will properly process those words into the searches that you're looking for. I think that could be really helpful for, like, presentations and stuff and setting things up like that. Mm-hmm. I think with, Absolutely. Like, YouTubing and doing video games and stuff, though, like, with the ability to screenshot right on your console and upload it and things like that. I think it makes You know what that I've actually started doing that when I was still blogging. Yeah, I was definitely doing that. I think it was with Fallout, Fallout 4. I was doing mm-hmm. some how-tos and some other type of things and I thought, man, it'd be really awesome if I could get find a screen capture or an image of this particular location or showing this screen in the uh in the menus or in my inventory space. And I thought, hey, I'll just run over to my Xbox, load up the game, swap over to that screen that I'm actually trying to look for. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm playing on the Xbox. So, I mean, I'm sure those of you who are playing on PC, you have no problem whatsoever grabbing screen captures. But but for those of us on console, <laughs> this is a big step forward for us. But, yeah, definitely a big help for us. But, I mean, this is just for imaging itself, just for image capturing or image searching. But um, I think if that can expand onto other articles and having more relevant uh, search results, uh, definitely a step forward for uh, as opposed to sifting through pages of results that either only vaguely mention it or maybe they just uh, – 
sometimes the uh, SEO and how things are referenced on Google and other search engines, I mean, just because the site is popular isn't always like the best indicator of the quality of content because I see a lot of junk <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of t- like I've just started muting people. <laughs> uh, you you obviously do no research uh, into your the articles that you post, especially those people who still fall for the fake news article sites. Yeah, this reminds yeah. me of like the Onion. I love the Onion. They're so funny. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. It's just that uh, sometimes you get like people who try to do the Onion type articles, but either they they don't put enough of a comical tone uh, in their writing, so it still actually fools people. Or, I don't know, it just, it's good to see progress being made in this so that the results are more uh, accurate into what you're looking for rather than just a popular site. Yeah. All right. And I got one last article uh, for the, the tech and science section, and it is, as soon as I bring it up, all right, so this article uh, is from the BBC, actually, and Barry McGowan calls for a new mental health fund for boxers. So, Megan, you mentioned that you deal mainly with substance abuse, yeah. uh, but has anywhere in your research or in your studies uh, taken you into the realm of uh, physical trauma on the brain and its effects? Not too heavily because it's a different specialization. Yeah, I would assume that would be like a complete separate type of... I mean, with the the substance abuse, it's the chemicals and how they affect the body and the they affect the brain. And this is how you know physical impact actually affects the brain. Well, on the physical level, but I mean, as far as mental health is concerned, it's good to see that more attention is being brought to these athletes and these competitors. I mean, here in the states, there's been all sorts of talk and research going down with the National Football League and how more protection needs to be uh, either supplied for the players or the rules. I hate to see the rules get more restrictive during gameplay because, you know, you know, let's face it, that is one of the reasons why people watch football is for the excitements and for the hard hits, but at what expense to the athletes? Yeah, and I know there's a lot of uh, sports psychology and sports sports psychiatrists are becoming uh they're they're rising in popularity slowly but surely they're really big with uh people who are in the Olympics. Okay. So what would the sports psychologists being uh what were their main like job tasks or like what needs would they be fulfilling for the athletes? Mental health needs just like uh just like a counselor would be doing just because you inter- encounter like uh, sports people, athletes that become injured and can no longer play, and they, and they have to deal with that, or there's just something going on during the process of engaging in this sport in between actually playing the sport. Um, okay. My knowledge on the specific specifics down to the teeth on what they do is very limited. Mm. But again, that's because it's a whole different. It's a whole different. I mean, you can't loop or uh, lump all mental health within the single umbrella of, oh, it's well, it's mental health, so of course you must know about it. No, it's a completely different beast. Oh, yeah. But still, these are serious issues, and it is good to see that more attention is being focused in on them. Any research is good research, and if you're going to have these people you know, put their bodies online, put their, their physical and mental well-being on the line, it, it would be nice to see a little bit of support afterwards. And one last thing to wrap up this section. Um, we actually have a Twitter question. 
And this is coming from Chris Osborne. All right, so Chris Osborne asks, how about what role video games play or potentially play in helping people with mental health issues? So, Megan, I hear you play some video games. <laughs> only only some. <laughs> only a few? Just on occasion? All right. Uh, so, so what are your thoughts on this statement? So I've been playing video games since I was about two years old. My first game was uh, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts on the classic Nintendo. And wait, is it Ghouls and Ghosts or Ghosts and Goblins? I think it's Ghosts and Goblins. It's been a really long time. Yes, it has. <laughs> Hold on. Never mind. That's not important. But <laughs> all right, all right. Um. So, from my experience growing up, it was a. I had. I feel like I had a really difficult social childhood. I just never really fit in with my peers, and some of that had to do with gaming. Some of that. So mental game or mental health. And gaming became part of my life incredibly early on. Like this is okay. This is what I do. I am a gamer to the core. So I find in my adulthood, and even throughout my teen years, like you are able to relate to the stories on such a deep level. I mean, if if you are a heavy, heavy gamer, and even if you're not, there are those that come up. And there is a lot of stigma that surrounds video games. That kind of makes me sad, just because when you look at Look at it, it's not what it is, but the the myth that video games cause violence doesn't. So Oh really that's like, been that's been debunked so many times. Oh I know, and it there keeps coming up. So, it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up and it's so annoying. It's like, oh here we go again. Oh yeah. It's not as big as it is. I mean you have your people that come up every once in a while because of shooting, but when you look at the brain activate during gameplay and after they're done playing with the game, the brain shuts off like, those areas that were engaged. But I am a firm believer that video games help those with mental illness just because a lot of games can provide this level that in which you relate to it. Some of the ones I can think of at hand is, I've been thinking about lately, Kingdom Hearts is a good one, as a lot of people think okay. it's childish or whatever, but it's one of my top games. But take Kingdom Hearts, for example, I mean, you can talk and relate to kind of missing this piece of yourself in a way that depression is or... Anything that has to do with survival, I mean, that speaks to everyone because we're all just mm-hmm. surviving in the end, mentally, emotionally, physically. So you have things like uh, Gears of War, where it's just like you get put in this place, and it's just like, how would I really survive? And a lot of the characters that you come in contact with over, like, you have Isaac Clark, who is a perfect representation of dementia, to like take you through that process. And I don't know, it's just with games evolving the way that they are. There are even games being made to introduce that. A game I would highly recommend to everyone is called The The Town of Light. You go into this world in which you play a 16-year-old French girl who gets put into asylum, and you go through that experience, and it's just chilling. Okay. Town of Light. I'll definitely look into that. It's on Steam. All right. right. It's on Steam, available on Steam. All right, well, when I read this question, one of the things that kind of popped into my mind were that... uh, that of escapism. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Yes, I am a full-grown adult <laughs> on the outside anyway. I refuse to mature <laughs> entirely. But um, as much as I do love my video games, uh, I do understand that they're entertainment for the most part. Having said that, we all choose escapism in our own way. We all choose our entertainment avenues in our own way. And as far as mental health is concerned... And tell me if I'm like way off base with this. So this is just purely my 
opinion, my observation. This is based on absolutely nothing scientific other than my own experiences. But sometimes all you need to do is make it through that day or just need to make it through that week. You can have some chaos going on in your life. There's no question about that. There's no arguing that point. Everyone goes through, you know, even the minor spells of either depression or stress or anxiety. We Everyone goes through that. Um, and if you have lasting issues, maybe you are currently receiving treatment or maybe you are, you know, in the process of getting your life back together, but you're not there yet. And in the meantime, so you don't fall apart completely, maybe you do need to just escape reality for a few hours or, you know, a night or a few nights every once in a while. And video games definitely uh, provide that opportunity. So um, any thoughts on that? Oh, I completely agree. I In my house, gaming is used as a coping skill like none other. One, because it's ingrained in us, and two, it's true. There is this, these times where you just become overwhelmed because, like, it happens to everyone. Just, like, this deadline happens, you didn't make it. Kids are throwing spaghetti on the wall, and you keep just, like, and you just need that time. I think my perfect example for that is uh, Skyrim. It's got the music, the, the scenery, and it's just, like, it is the place I escaped to. Yeah, it is. It really was a beautiful game. Even back, I mean, yes, I know PC gamers, you've got all the, the luscious, luscious graphics <laughs> right from the beginning. Um, but even on the, uh, the Xbox 360 or the PS3 version of the game, I, all of the views were just so beautiful and scenic. Uh, definitely, you know, in a very chaotic and bloodthirsty world, it was so peaceful. It was so what? pretty. <laughs> so, so yeah, just just the escapism, just for a little bit, so you can feel normal. And something else that I thought of while you're playing a game, and let me know your your thoughts on this bold statement. Um, while you're playing the game, you are in control. The game will follow a set of rules. So when you do a, then B happens. You know, there's there's fewer surprises. There's a logical progression in either character development or in storytelling or in events. You know, you know to a degree what's going to happen, and you can have a more, I guess, firmer grasp on the reality of that game and what happens. So it gives you like a sense of control. Uh, does that make any sense? Oh my god, yes it does. I love it. I just, like, because one of the things that we strive for is, like, when things are attend- like when things are out of our control and we want to control it, the frustration builds up, and it's just, with video games, like, it's, when they do the commercials, of just and they're like, oh, now you're this person, you actually sit down and you're like, you were alright, I am this person, and this is what's going to happen because I'm deciding it. Mm-hmm. And it gives you that opportunity to have control that you don't normally have, and I think it kind of vents that frustration out that direction. So would that have a positive impact on like managing your mental health or any thoughts on that applying it that way? I would like to think so because I know it personally for me, it helps because it's just now I'm not concentrating so much on what's on the outside and it calms me down because when you have nowhere for your frustration to go, it just stays. So, I mean, everyone has different outlets like books and coloring and blah, 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 blah. But I think with video gaming, you get this 
this larger sense of control. Mm-hmm. And one last comment on that. This is a great question, Chris, is the sense of community. Uh, if you get involved in gaming and you venture, you know, onto the internet I mean, and avoid the trolls, you know, look out for trolls under every bridge. Oh. But when you get into some of the communities, uh, there's a lot of support out there. And again, exactly what we're doing right now, there are people that can share and you can discuss with your passions and your fandom of these particular games. So I guess that would also bring in an added benefit of not being alone with whatever you're going through as well. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, like, I think you and I have been following each other on Twitter for like, oh, God. It's been a few it's years. It's been a few years, yeah. Cause I started- We've been tweeps for a while, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least since 2012. And without Twitter and getting in contact with everyone from the country in this world and building this gaming community so large, like, I wouldn't have known. I really wouldn't have known. That all, oh, yeah. all of this support Absolutely. and connection and like relatability would happen. So it's 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 good stuff. It can video games can definitely help when managed properly with someone's mental health and help you get through difficult times. Uh, both through the the experience of playing the game and escaping into that world itself, and if you can find some positive support through any online communities as well. All right, and for you, the listeners of the Video Game Crosstalk podcast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as The Darkness That Comes Before by R. Scott Backer. It's a world scarred by an apocalyptic past, evoking a time both 2,000 years Years past and 2,000 years into the future, as untold thousands gather for a crusade. Among them, two men and two women are ensnared by a mysterious traveler, a Nasurimbor Kellis, part warrior, part philosopher, part sorceress, charismatic presence from the lands long thought dead. The darkness that comes before is a history of a great holy war, and like all histories, the survivors write its conclusion. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod for your free audiobook. Okay, and moving on to some gaming and geekery news. Uh, first up, Archer Creator says the show will end after season 10. Uh, Megan, are you a fan of Archer? Do they want ants? Because that's how they're going to get ants. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, all good things must come to an end. True story. Sad story, but a true one. Sad, but true. I mean, the series had its ups and downs a few times. Some of it was eh, but the last season was really good. Um, I tell people if they've never watched the season or watched the show, absolutely start with the first season. It's so good. Oh, God. Um, it was just the funniest thing. So what was your introduction to the series? <laughs> so uh, my now roommate came over to where my husband and I were living and we were all playing Diablo 2 on uh, our computers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was in the middle of a heat wave. Like, we were all stripping slowly as the sun decided to try and bake us to death. And we just turned it on and it was the best thing ever because we were delusional by the heat, which made it funny. <laughs> oh, dear. 
All right, so now you got like the heat hysteria going on, and then you have Archer <laughs> and all his charisma oh, yeah. asking. <laughs> That is fantastic. Yeah, for me, I was at a friend's. We're doing. God, this is going to make me sound way classier than what I am. We're having a little wine and cheese party. <laughs> a wine and cheese pairing. Yeah, this is sounding way classier than I actually am. This was back in like my bachelorhood days where I was like, I need to stop being such an alpha male. I need to bring the bro down a little bit. So I need to get some culture. And one of my friends was hosting this like. This little wine and cheese get together, and after everyone's had you know a few glasses of wine, uh, he starts to put on. He had like all the shows recorded on his DVR or all the episodes recorded on his DVR, and he's like, "All right, Anthony has not watched Archer, so we're gonna have a little bit of an Archer fest." And he just like we just burned through I don't know, like six episodes right there. So again, we were a little on the tipsy side, so we're you know not in the proper you know, mental state. So that probably added to the hilarity. But one of the great things about this show is that it is so quotable. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There have been a few times where I have uh, either said under my breath or actually, I think I actually did pull it off in one of the business, in one of the business meetings at a prior job. uh, You're not my supervisor. Oh my god, that is like my favorite saying. I work with juvenile youth um, as needed right now because I drop down on my job and anytime they get all up in my face, that's what I tell them. I'm like, you're not my supervisor. <laughs> and they may or may not get the reference, but you know that's okay because the line is still funny. Best one. Oh man. For, for a while, I actually had a soundboard of Archer on my phone. And I would go to, again, this is at an old job. I would go up to some of my friends' desks, uh, have my phone on full blast, and then just press a few random lines from there. And uh, I had to watch it a few times because some of the conversations between Lana and Pam and Crystal or Crystal or whatever her name is, Outlaw Country! <laughs> they got a little, little intense at times. But uh, in all, yeah, so... It looks like season 10, and what are we on right now? Season 8? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we're on season 8 right now, so we still have some time. Still have some time with the crew. Can't wait to see what they do with Krieger. Can't wait to see what they do with that crazy Nazi. But but you know what? It's good that they have an end in sight. And uh, I can't remember who I was talking to about this. I was one of my friends last night. uh, We had a little game night, and... uh, the difference between certain anime series and American TV, hmm. where certain series, particularly some of the anime series, they have a definitive beginning, middle, and end with their story yeah. arcs, while with some of the American shows, they just keep making additional story arcs until the show falls out of favor, and then they just kind of like wrap everything up in the end. Yeah. Like, super hastily. Uh, uh, did you watch... Uh, Sons of Anarchy? I did not watch the last season. Okay. Well, and, <laughs> and that's why it was the last season. No, they keep it going until you know it, it starts to wane a little bit, and then, okay, we're going to you know take it down before it gets too much of a mess. Uh, same thing with Dexter. I watched it on Netflix. I can see that difference between, like, American television and anime, though, because, like, when, yeah, when you start with anime, they, like, even if each episode doesn't, like, 
I don't know, it can be different. Um, they each have that, like, soul story arc that they're working toward. Like, Inu Yasha and the putting the stupid crystal thing back together. Right. Right. So, since they have an end in sight, you know, good. We can wrap it up properly. We can plan to start wrapping up the different story arcs, and it won't just become, like, a convoluted mess. And then the last season is just, oh, I can't think of a way to deal with this situation, so we'll just start killing off characters. So That makes everybody unhappy. Yeah, it really does. It just... It, and like the way that they'll wrap certain things up, they just get confusing in their own. So cool. Oh, yeah. They've got, they've got an end in sight. Oh, yeah. All right. So a little bit of gaming news, uh, fallout Four Skyrim special edition will in fact get mod support on the PS4 after all. So you had mentioned Skyrim earlier, actually, uh, as we were talking about how beautiful the game is, which it truly is. And, Fantastic soundtrack, I might add, as well. Uh, oh, yeah. There was a little bit of scuttle going on since Xbox had already stated that, yeah, we're totally going to take on mod supports for these games. And uh, so you can add the special effects and little add-ons to these games uh, as you wish. And then Sony came out saying, like, mm, not at this time, not at this time, but it's looking like they're finally going to get it. So, what system did you play Skyrim on? Uh, 360. Okay, same here. So, I, you know, being a console gamer, I never really dealt with any mods. Uh, have you had much experience with uh, adding mods to any of the games that you play? Uh, on the console, no. I did, I wasn't aware that you were like able to without well, like breaking your console and putting well, it out of warranty. Yeah. So I messed with that stuff. Right, yeah, I no, never did with console, but I'm just saying, like, do you know anyone that uh, would play, I think, was it Counter-Strike? I think was the result of a whole bunch of mods put on top of each other. Um, do you know anyone that's a PC gamer that gets into the mods, that uh, adds all sorts of effects and non-licensed expansions or anything like that onto their games? So, we are a very multi-console household, <laughs> So we actually okay. have one of each console in the house. So I didn't get too big on the modding on uh, the PC, but my husband, when we got the Skyrim for his PC, he went all crazy with it. I don't know okay. how I broke it, but I had this mod, and it was like, make your character look super realistic. I'm like, okay, cool. So it looked all cool, and then I went to go switch armor with my Skyrim wife, and then she was just in the nude. Dope. I couldn't fix it, so I was like, all right, there you go, modifications, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. I've seen. I've seen some really good mods um, in different articles and like, video previews on YouTube. And then I've seen some of them go horribly, horribly wrong. And some of them are just absolutely ridiculous. I think there was one where oh, they showed it on. It was, it was a YouTube video, and someone added like way too many mods to Skyrim, and they replaced all dragons with Thomas the Train. Oh my god, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, yeah. So that's just, I mean, I guess that's just hilarious and just do it for the lulls, but, um. Yeah, you want to play the game for that, like, you want to play the game naturally like that. Like, I watched through, uh, Game Grumps and their, their speed playthrough of Skyrim, and Mm -hmm. all of the dragons were replaced with Randy Savage. (laughs) <laughs> so, you fire or roar, do you just get stuck into a slim jam? 
Ooh, yeah. So That's hilarious, <laughs> not going to lie. That is pretty funny. Oh, it was great. Oh, and I think it was for XCOM. Either, I don't know if it was licensed or someone just made the mod and replaced all of the dialogue as you're, um, as you're issuing commands to your squad. It, they replaced it all with sound clips from Bob Ross. Oh, God. Yeah, so <laughs> this really calm, soothing voice, like, yeah, we're going to go over here now. And you see your squad, like, move into position. <laughs> So that's great, but I've also seen horror stories where someone got the um, the mapping mixed up, and they put facial textures on the walls. <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> and then I don't know what they were doing. I think it was just some like again, just a joke. It's purely for the jokes, and they yeah. replaced all textures with images of oh, oh geez, I'm forgetting the actor's name. All of a sudden, Nicholas Cage. Oh, yeah, no, that's, he's the big one. Okay. <laughs> so, so actually, um, back to the actual story, you know, mod support for me, being a console gamer, it was never really an issue, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's like, it's cool. I thought, all right, awesome, but, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Where I'm at, because I'm going to get the uh, remaster for, I think, my Xbox. and uh, Okay. Like, I'll, I'll probably toy around with it since it is something that's new, but that's not why I initially paid. Right. I mean, personally, I sure there are certain effects, and I've seen, you know, if you've got a computer that can handle it, the weather effects are enhanced, The uh, some of the textures are enhanced, some of the lighting is enhanced, some of the, you know, some certain things are enhanced to go above and beyond or additional detail than what the designers initially created. You know, oh, yeah. so that's cool. Um, but I'll just leave it to the professionals who know what the heck they're doing and I'll let them tell me <laughs> how the game should be played. Yeah, no, that's, that's how I am because it, when it comes to mods and stuff, I'm like, I can't do this. I'll break it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's the last thing I need. Granted, I've uh, brought my desktop back from the dead several times. Uh, and actually I'm surprised at how good it's being recently. Good, good computer, not just breaking down <laughs> and shutting down. Oh, it's fantastic. If I overload it sometimes, being that I've brought it back from the dead several times before, every once in a while, it'll just, I'll do something that I didn't like and it'll just blue screen me just <laughs> randomly in the middle of a program. Yeah. But, uh, it's working good now. And actually, yeah, I haven't had any issues in a few months now. So I don't know what updates Windows installed, but hey, hey, awesome. There you go. Yeah. All right, so moving on, Gears of War 4 uh, has been released. Uh, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a few, because like, we got the um, the early release, because it doesn't actually officially release until the 11th. Um, okay. Yeah, I thought it was. So, Pe- people have been talking about it. I'm like, mm, is it out yet? I'm seeing footage. <laughs> people are talking about it quite a bit, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. We are huge Gears fans in the house. Like, Gears of War was actually the game that got me turned on to the Xbox uh, 360 from being a PlayStation person. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I, I love the story. I love the character. I just, like, I got really into it. So I haven't started the campaign yet, which is what I'm going to do after uh, after we're done recording. And uh, <laughs> So hurry this up, Anthony. Okay. <laughs> um, but the multiplayer... Uh, Horde, I'm not a big, like, deathmatch and stuff because I, I'm not good with competitive with somebody who's not a robot. Mm-hmm. 
But the horde I am really into because I like being able to set up fortifications and then go through the waves and challenge myself to see how far I can get and how pissed off I can get and how successful <laughs> I can get. So last night um, we decided to start off our multi or our gaming experience with multiplayer. So we went through horde and what I can say about the Gears of War four horde mode is that it's a lot smoother with fortifications and stuff than in in three, I want to say. It's a little bit different and a little bit more challenging just because uh, everybody shares the same, like, money you put into fortifications, so you might come across somebody who's just going to spend it all and you're just like, what the hell, dude? Mm. Something new that they brought in, though, was the choice of class. So you can essentially be, like, a a marksman, a scout, an engineer, a soldier, and I can't remember what the fifth one is, but now you can actually assign yourself a class that you can actually level up and master in, which I thought was really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, so I'm not a huge Gears of War fan. I played the first one during some re-release, and um, I just got frustrated with it. It's just because I'm more of, like, an epic RPG that or that's how I progressed in gaming over the years, more like the epic RPG type of gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played the first one, but there was... Oh, and again, this isn't the first one. It was maybe halfway through the game, if that. And I remember being in one of the underground cavern locations, and I'm trying to launch an assault on one of these facilities... And I kept getting taken out by the, I think it's called the Torque Bow. I know. If you can remember back to. (laughs) Okay. And I just kept getting taken out by this bot. And it just seemed that I would get tagged by it randomly. Now, maybe I'm just terrible at the game and the game's mechanics. But I just kept getting tagged by that just randomly, it seemed. And there's just, like, nothing that I could do to get past it. I eventually did get past that point. And it was one of those deals where just sheer luck I happened to dive out of the way of a few random bullets or arrows and I was able to like rush up and take the guys out finally but between that and a few other things maybe I'm maybe I'm just a sissy <laughs> or something but um but as far as being able to choose your classes um that's something new because usually I've seen in a few other like PvP type environments, usually you can choose what type of class you are, but that's new to Gears of War in Gears of War Four. I'm not 100 percent sure with like a uh, uh, PvP, but with Horde it is. Like I okay, so with Horde it's new. Okay, I'm gonna assume it's similar. I'd have to ask my husband because he's been down on deathmatch all day, but. <laughs> the ability to pick classes is actually really cool because normally when you're doing things like Horde and stuff, you're struggling to get like a sniper or a different kind of weapon and you're waiting for an enemy to drop it. Um, with this, when okay. you pick the class, you're assigned the weapons that go with that class. I mean, it provides its own unique challenges because the class I decided to start out with uh, was the Marksman and you get the mm-hmm. long shot, which is the sniper, and then you get this uh, single sh- like single shot MK something or other bullcrap that is like, I call it my baby sniper rifle because it's not a true sniper <laughs> rifle. And what makes it difficult is that they don't hold a lot of ammo. You can blow through it super fast as Horde progresses because as it progresses and you defeat every 10 waves, um, their health will go up times Mm -hmm. two, their uh, accuracy will go up times two, and it just, with the limited amount of ammo, it makes it more of a challenge. 
Awesome. So enjoying it, the, the oh bit that you've God. played I so far? I was, like, on it last night. I was so excited. I was so sad I had to go to bed where I was like, oh, I'm on a roll. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh All right, so time for the final five to wrap up this podcast. These are five questions uh, that range from irrelevant to irreverent, and they're designed to throw us off into even more tangents that we've already done. So, Megan, you ready for the final five questions? Yes. <laughs> All right, first question, coffee or tea? Coffee. Drink it black? Drink it light and sweet? I like it. I don't put sugar in it. I put maybe a, a couple tablespoons of creamer in it, and that's it. Oh, so just creamer, no sugar. Yep. Interesting. Okay. All right, question two. Do you play any tabletop games? Uh, Cards Against Humanity. There's been discussion about starting D&D, but right now, not really. You know, Cards Against Humanity is absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I mean, aside from the absolute tasteless humor that it is and the horrible offensivity that comes out of that game, they do so much for the... For the betterment of our society, ironically. I think it helps to have this moment where you are equally horrible with people who, like, they're not. (laughs) Well, have you purchased any of their, um, like, their holiday special promotions? No, I haven't been able to pick up any of their expansions yet. I mean, not the bigger blacker box, which comes with all of their standard expansions, but none of the, like, special Okay. Well, I'll definitely look into it. Every holiday season, they do um, some additional stuff. I can't remember. Well, I don't know how much it is because my wife gets it for me each year, <laughs> and they'll they'll send you some some additional cards and some other random trinkets. But um, if you're not f- familiar with this, and if any of our listeners are not familiar with this, definitely look into the holiday season. They do special promotions. And uh, they use a lot of that money to go towards other charitable endeavors. Uh, for instance, last year, one of the things that they did, I think it was, they were all Jewish themed. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was all Jewish themed. And they had, uh, I think it was their, some some of their fathers actually write these long letters about different philosophical aspects or like life lessons that are supposed to go along with Hanukkah. And they were like these really well thought out and written like full page essays about these concepts um, that they sent to you each. Uh, Yeah, there were eight of them. So they would send them to you periodically. But um, additionally, last year in particular, what they did was they, they were discussing how the trials and what it takes to manufacture things in this in this world and unfortunately yes they do have their manufacturing done in china because the cost of production is so low and it's business this is the world that we live in so sadly they do admit to having their cards printed in china however what they did with some of the money that they gained from this past year's uh promotion was they gave everyone a vacation And yeah, so like the way that they do this is in the way that it was explained was that in China, they really don't have paid vacation. Like that that just isn't a concept over there or at least with this one facility. So they bought out that printing facilities business. They bought out the facility for an entire week 
and told people to go do something. And what we got were uh, basically photographs and stories from the workers about what they did with their week off, uh, like where they went and what they did. So we got pictures and little notes from the from the actual factory workers of how they spent their week off that Cards Against Humanity basically bought out their factory for a week and what they did. Oh, wow. And the year before that, they started off with a joke saying like, oh, last year we made so much money off this campaign, we said we could buy our own island. So this year, we did. You know, so that's, you know, that's kind of funny. Um, so I am actually now part owner of, I think it's called Hawaii 2. And it's off the coast of Nova Scotia, I think. I think. <laughs> Why, yeah, so I, I'm legitimately, legitimately owner of like one square foot of this island. But part of the deal for them buying this island is that it is now forever wild, meaning that it can never be developed for commercial or residential use. So it's permanently wildlife. So that's the kind of stuff that they do. Uh, with their with their proceeds, like I said, it's ironic that such a terrible, horrible concept of a game does so much good for society. So, moving on, question number three: Being that you work with the late night gamers, how late do you stay up to game? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's my sad story right now. Um, oh. I normally go to bed at like nine thirty. The latest that I've stayed up to game in the past. Uh, I don't know how long it was last night, and I was up until 11.30. Oh, you rebel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Normally, when I, if, when I did have time to game a little bit more, which, come February, it will come back. Hey! I, I would stay until, like, 1 or 2. Okay. There you go. That's what I was waiting for. Yeah, I've had I've had plenty. Like, um, I'm still a Destiny gamer, and there have been times where I have actually said, like, guys, I can only do this one additional mission or strike. You know, I, I'd like to go to bed before midnight, and then I'll jump into a raid, and then I'll be up until two or three oh, yeah. at times. Ah, but hey, it's what we do. <laughs> it's what we All do. Right. All right, fourth question. So New York Comic Con is happening as we record this. We're recording this on October 7th, and NYCC is in full swing. So obviously, we're recording this podcast, meaning neither one of us are there right now. Womp womp. Uh, do you ever hit up any of the local cons or conventions around you? I have never been to a con convention. I would you know, really like to go to a game con type convention. I'm not super into like comics and stuff. So right. it, it is on my bucket list, but sadly, okay. no. Yeah, I've been to a few. Um, well, we have an Albany Comic Con here in Albany, New York, and it's it's tiny. You know, it's it's a few rooms uh, in one of the convention centers. But it, and again, it is more comic books. And as I mentioned on the previous podcast, I really never got into the comic books. But this year, I'm going to try to make it up to Saratoga, which we have what's called Chase Con. And that seems to be a more geek culture type of convention. Um, on its description, it says that it welcomes anime fans, uh, board game fans, video game fans as well. So I'm hoping to make it up to that uh, at the end of this month. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like I I would prefer that it be stronger in the video game because that's that's my flavor of geek. And I mean, like I said, I've been to the Comic Con, but like. And I feel bad because I'll go through the section where all the artists are, 
Like, they'll have one section off towards the back where all of the comic book artists show up and you can have them draw something for you or buy some of their other independent art type thing. And I'm walking through the section. I'm like, I'm sure you're important. I don't know who you are. Right? You know no, what I mean? That's how I'd be, too. I'm like, hey, you're good at that, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, right? Oh, it's like, I know you're important, but I don't know who you are. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so final question. Uh, how many times have you silently diagnosed me during the course of this episode? Not once. <laughs> Liar. Liar. Normally, normally I get all, like, into, into stuff like that. I'm trying not to be, so I don't know. You're trying to leave your work at work? Partially, it's super hard not to, just because people watching and things like that are my thing. And I'm actually going to be starting a kind of a gag uh, articles on late night gamers, where I pick out certain video game characters and run through them and give them a DSM diagnosis. Nice. So, are you going to do Mass Effect specifically too? Oh my god, that would be so, <laughs> oh god, that'd be so amazing. I'm going to have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I remember I got into the Mass Effect bandwagon kind of late. Basically when Mass Effect 3 came out and everyone was having basically nerdgasms all over the place. And I'm like, all right, I need to take a look at what this game is all about. So I was able to pick up some used copies of 1 and 2 before playing 3. And I got into 2. And I'm just like, all right, I've only taken a few psychology classes. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in education and part of a proper education background is you're supposed to take uh, some cognitive and behavioral development type things. Mm -hmm. So we did take like one course in working with students with disabilities and some of the, uh, a little bit of psychology, but it's been mostly cognitive development and behavioral psychology type stuff. Mm -hmm. But just with that little bit of, formal education, barely formal education in it. I took one look, you know, as I was playing Mass Effect 2 and I thought, oh, oh, this, this is rich. We have all <laughs> sorts of personalities going on all at the same time. Because you can tailor how the relationships go based on your personality, it makes it so much better. Oh, that too. Yeah, see how they react to different dialogue. I mean, just... I mean, you can jump into Dragon Age as well. I mean, obviously the other half of Bioware and what they're known for. Yeah, the personalities and the the character types and how you interact and what the different characters respond to and how they respond to these things. All sorts of fun psychology going on. Oh, yeah. It is a grand old time. Yeah. And that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for End of Show Plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox One, and Twitch at Hypersyntax. That is H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. And if you add me on Xbox One, shoot me a message to let me know where you know me from. Because chances are, if you're just receiving random game invites, I'll probably ignore you. <laughs> so just shoot me a message beforehand. <laughs> or you can follow this podcast directly on Twitter at VGXTPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrosstalk. This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at VideoGameCrosstalk.Podbean.com. As for my guest, Megan, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Collins underscore M81. Uh, my Xbox gamer tag is Optimus Prime 421. My PlayStation 4 tag is Optimus Prime 4215. And for late night gamers, you can follow late night gamers at LN Gamer on Twitter. And we are actually doing a charity stream with Extra Life on November 5th. All right. Let's definitely check that out. And if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech or science news, let me know. Do you know some tech news that you would like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions that you'd like answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets on what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. And we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Megan, thank you one more time for joining me. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All right. And until next time, in the words of R. Scott Backer, the thoughts of all men arise from the darkness. If you are the movement of your soul, and the cause of that movement precedes you, then how could you ever call your thoughts your own? How could you be anything other than a slave to the darkness that comes before? cause of that movement precedes you then you then how could you ever I will get this and edit this at the end <laughs>